0: More than 3,300 were helped last year alone because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number 2, t, dot, org.
5: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You're listening to the Fuck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There are new questions circulating about the timeline of law enforcement response to the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, where 19 children and two teachers were killed. New harrowing videos emerged on social media showing angry, desperate parents outside the school pleading with police to go inside. It's time for home. Depot. Sexton, It was a horrifying scene as you could see for yourself there. A difficult video to watch to be sure. And now we're hearing from law enforcement about just how this awful scenario unfolded. It was a very uh, difficult situation on the ground for law enforcement when those videos were taken and when officers were setting up a cordon around the building. Texas Rangers are still investigating the timeline of law enforcement uh, events, and so there's more detail that will be coming out in the days ahead. But here's what we know. The shooter, in this case, was not in fact confronted by anybody before he walked into the school. There had initially been reports that a school safety officer, this is widely reported in the media, had confronted the shooter, which didn't seem to add up because there was no exchange of gunfire initially between law enforcement and the shooter when he made his way into the building. Turns out that, that that reporting was inaccurate. Earlier today, Texas law enforcement authorities held a press conference and said the shooter was not confronted by anybody. This is a key detail, watch.
6: He walked in unrestructed initially. So from the grandmother's house, to the bar ditch to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody. To clear the record on that, four minutes later, Law enforcement are coming in to solve this problem.
0: So the shooter was able to get into the building without anyone confronting him on his way. There were apparently no security locks or other, uh, other physical barriers to entry for the shooter. He was able to get right into the building, get right into the classroom where he engaged in his mass murders. Um, and he, here, there, there is the shooter, of course, deceased, killed by uh, Bortak, which is a border patrol, effect, effectively border patrol SWAT team. Here's what everyone needs to know. How is it possible? How is it tactically sound? How is it, how is it part of the procedure for law enforcement to be on the scene of a mass shooting of children four minutes into the shooting? And then for it to take over an hour, while there's gunfire happening from inside this building, he was shooting at law enforcement officers at various points in this standoff. Took them over an hour while they had a hundred officers, over a hundred officers gathered on the scene, over an hour for anyone to go in there and eliminate the threat to kill this evil mass murderer. People are asking questions about this because there are parents on the outside of the cordon, the law enforcement cordon, who were begging police, these are armed law enforcement officers, to go do something about the shooter who was barricaded inside one of these classrooms and engaged in the murder of defenseless small children. It took over an hour. There was discussion during that press conference as well, uh, earlier today, of some kind of hostage negotiation effort which doesn't seem to make any sense considering that this was a mass murder spree this individual had not to our to our knowledge at this point taken any hostages he did not have a list of demands so what were they waiting for this is what people are asking if we're going to have conversations about how to stop these kinds of atrocities from happening again in the future we have to be very honest about what went wrong here and what actually uh, occurred from a law enforcement perspective, uh, because it seems right now to many, many observers, including former SWAT team and special operations and other elements of the law enforcement and military community that I've spoken to say, this response time of over an hour to eliminate the threat is far too long, given the concentration of law enforcement on the scene against a lone gunman. Now, this also is something that the FBI is uh, looking at, and there'll be a lot of law enforcement after action assessment of what went on here. Here's the FBI director testifying on this shooting and saying that Uvalde is the latest example of the continued threat from lone wolf actors, watch. The threat of lone actors who look to attack regular everyday people going about their regular everyday lives. And in fact, it's that threat that we continue to be most concerned about here in the homeland. This is a continuing challenge we have, and there are real discussions that are necessary about what causes these individuals to snap in this way. This wasn't something that we've had all throughout history. This does seem to have become a more uh, common uh, more common problem for our society over the last 30 or so years, and is mental health and the way we deal with mental health a major component of how we could try to limit these incidents going forward? We may not be able to stop them all, but to be able to bring down the numbers to make it a less uh, common scenario, that would certainly be a worthy goal. Wall Street Journal editorial board wrote this uh, about this issue of how to look at this. A teenager, that a teenager could look at a nine-year-old, aim a gun and pull the trigger, signals some larger social and cultural breakdown. It also suggests that society may have to adapt by rethinking our hands-off attitudes to antisocial behavior and mental illness. Essentially, there may have to be a more proactive, societal, and perhaps yes, even governmental and law enforcement component of dealing with severe and dangerous mental illness. That's certainly a part of the discussion right now, but then you also have the mother of the shooter here saying that her son wasn't a violent person in advance of this. This was a quote from uh, the last 48 hours. My son wasn't a violent person. I'm surprised by what he did. I had a good relationship with him. He kept to himself. He didn't have many friends. so was it possible to foresee in advance that this individual was a true danger to society or is that an impossibility to be able to identify this? We need to bring in real, real in-depth research about this, mental health professionals who have dealt with these kinds of situations to establish some protocols. This is a complex problem set. There's no easy solution to preventing these things from happening going forward. That's the honest truth. But for Democrats like Chuck Schumer, unfortunately, the most important thing to them when they're speaking out against this is that they are able to shout at their political enemies and make it seem like we don't all believe that mass shootings like this are horrific and atrocious. A cheap shot from Chuck Schumer here at the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who's of course a Republican. Watch.
2: After Beto O'Rourke confronted Texas Governor Abbott's press conference, the MAGA governor gave some empty platitudes about healing and hope. He asked people to put their agendas aside and think about someone other than themselves. My God, how dare he? What an
0: absolute fraud the governor of Texas is. And Chuck Schumer, I would say, is a fraud, but he's such a disgrace that we expect him to be a fraud. And that is the reality we are facing. All right, former NYPD cop John Cardillo joins me next to discuss Biden's uh, recent comments on gun control and the left's incessant politicization of all this. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. Big tech is taking advantage of us. They're mining our data, remining it, selling it. And guess what? We don't benefit from that at all. All the while, they count their money and abuse your privacy. You really think your emails, texts, and messages are private and safe from governments, hackers, and two-faced, profit-hungry corporations? Think again. This is where Secure comes in. Secure's email platform is 100% private. It is Swiss-hosted. They use their own servers in Switzerland and have no ties to American big tech companies. With Secure, there is no data mining whatsoever. It's completely private. This is what makes Secure different from every other email and messaging provider out there. Secure is the best email platform in the world when it comes to security and privacy. Look, there's a reason Secure built their company the way they did. We need to take a stand against big tech and take back our privacy. Right now, you need to go use the discount code BUCK when you go to secure.com. It'll only cost you $7.50 for full access every month. That's nothing. Go to secure.com and create your secure email address and account. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off for a whole year. S-E-K-U-R dot com, promo code BUCK. Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at Manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The Lawn Mower Trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof, so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. After calling for tougher gun control laws in the wake of the Texas school shooting, President Biden talked about the constitution yesterday. Watch this.
6: Second Amendment's is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't
5: own certain kinds of weapons. It's just has always been limitations.
0: You actually could own a cannon, but anyway. Joining me here with reaction is former NYPD officer and conservative commentator John Cardillo. John, Biden is not smart really as a politician. He's certainly not smart as a constitutional scholar or lawyer and the immediate fallback to talking points about gun control that we've been hearing for decades and that every time they get their way, it doesn't actually do anything. It's just disheartening at some level. This this is really, this is the best we've got. This is the president.
7: Yeah, I mean you know he's flat out lying and and his handlers, I say his handlers, because in my opinion, he's cognitively shot. I and mean, the guy's an incapacitated vegetable. He, he, historically speaking, the ignorance coming from the President of the United States is in itself disqualifying, right? Historically speaking, most cannons used in the Revolutionary War were either previously or currently at the time privately owned. People brought them into service, whether they were wealthy landowners or, business owners who used them for protection. So, But we we can get into the weeds all day about Biden's misstatements, or as we'll call them, flat-out lies. I think it's tragic that they used the deaths of 19 innocent babies. These were elementary school-aged children. And as, as a former cop, I had responded to murdered children 25, 27, 28 years later, Buck, The memory is as vivid as it was day one. I spoke to troopers who responded, Connecticut troopers who responded to the Sandy Hook. They'll never get that imagery out of their heads. So the way the Democrats have been using this for political points, cheap political points, Obama invoking George Floyd, a fentanyl addict who was passing counterfeit bills and equating them to murdered babies and their heroic teachers who threw their bodies between the kids and the gunmen. It's it's really disgraceful. Don't even get started on Beto O'Rourke disgraceful on the part of democrats
0: well here for example is chuck schumer senate majority leader for now slamming governor abbott and everybody who supports trump in MAGA republicans because you know you have to do gun control watch
2: these families my colleagues don't want thoughts and prayers they want their elected leaders to respond to their suffering they want results yet the MAGA Republicans don't want to get to the results. They're ossified in their opposition to any action on gun safety. Governor Abbott, will you ask your MAGA buddies and your NRA pals to put aside their agendas and think of someone other than themselves? Will you ask the gun manufacturing reps who swarm over the NRA convention to put aside their agendas and think about someone other than themselves? Of course not. No amount of bloodshed seems to be enough. MAGA republicans
0: i mean there's so much there that's just just enraging honestly yes republicans don't care about dead children chuck schumer i mean this is essentially what he's saying it's outrageous um but beyond that they there's always john this effort to you're very familiar with the with the gun industry the firearms industry to make it seem like there's some shadowy cabal of nra and lobbyists that stop the problem with the gun legislation is actually there are tens of millions of gun owners who don't want it and know that it won't help.
7: Look, I mean, you know, it, it, it's we have to be factual here, Buck. And it pains me to uh, think about 19 grieving families. We found out the husband of one of the teachers who took bullets for the kids and died died of a heart attack today, presumably from the stress from a broken heart. Maybe this is a tragedy all around, but you do not impose draconian, anti-constitutional regulation or legislation on 330 million Americans because one bad guy did something bad. And I'll take it a step further. I put a tweet out the other day. Chuck Schumer, I'm going to say it here, is a disgusting, vile, disingenuous rodent. And here's why. If we were to put there are 131,000 K through 12 schools in the United States, if the federal government, if Congress appropriated a quarter million dollars to every school for either armed police, single access points, fortified physical plants, what have you. If they appropriated a quarter million bucks to every school, that would be $32.75 billion to protect America's youngest school children. They won't do it. They won't even have the debate. Democrats refuse to have the debate. Because Randy Weingarten and the teachers union won't let him have the debate. Yet they gave forty billion to Zelensky in Ukraine, who to me is another oligarch mob oligarch mob boss. It's the Bloods and the Crips. Zelensky versus Putin. They'll give him forty billion in two days, but they won't give seven and a half billion less to fortify and safeguard one hundred and thirty-one thousand K through twelve schools in the U.S. Chuck Schumer is a disingenuous, disgraceful liar.
0: John, I do also want to ask you about, as somebody who carried a badge and a, and a gun for, for years, in the NYPD, the law enforcement response here, um, at the shooting specifically, we heard now we've got a pretty good sense of the timeline. They had cops on the scene within four minutes. The, the cops knew that this was an active shooter situation. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of rifle fire from the, the shooter. And then nobody went in for a second breach after a first attempt that was uh, pushed back, essentially, by the shooter. Yeah. Nobody went back in for an hour. And there were parents who were around the cordon, uh, the police cordon, begging law enforcement to go in and do something. I think it's really hard for people to hear, John, that for an hour, this sh- he was firing rounds, too. He'd already murdered a lot of, a lot of kids, and he yeah. was firing off rounds during the standoff period. 100 officers, nobody goes in there until the BORTAC team from Border Patrol comes in. What do you think of this?
7: So much done, unpack here, Buck. I'm glad you brought that up. And, and you and I, I mean, we talk a lot offline, right? We're shooters, we're collectors, we enjoy this. I, uh, I'll be on radio with our good mutual friend, Jesse Kelly, later. He and I spoke earlier. So I'll tell you what I told him. So many conflicting reports. But even if we act on, even if right now here we analyze the timeline most favorable to local law enforcement, it appears, with all the evidence we have right now, that there was a 13-minute, 13 13-minute 13 gap between the bad guy, I want to say his name, going into that classroom, beginning to slaughter kids like fish in a barrel, and police entering behind BorTac, important to notebook, four off duty bortac operators, Border Patrol tactical team, off-duty. So they got the alert on their cell phones, they raced to the scene off duty. On duty cops waiting. Best case for the cops. If I'm going to be as generous as humanly possible, 13 minutes, might as well have been the 13 hours at Benghazi. 13 minutes is an eternity. It was disgraceful. And it tells me that this agency, local and county, doesn't train, doesn't train on active shooter, doesn't train under high stress. Thank God, the off-duty board tech guys were there and not deployed 60, 70 miles away because God knows how many more innocents would have been killed. This is a black eye from the evidence we have in front of us on local and county law enforcement.
0: Yeah, John, it just, it just seems remarkable to me that you could have a number of, of law enforcement, armed law enforcement officers, including with long guns on the scene. You, you've yeah. got one 18-year-old shooter with, with, you know, he has body armor on, but he has no real tactical training or proficiency, obviously he's murdering unarmed small school children and right. they, they get pushed back in the initial assault and then that's it for an, for an hour?
7: You know, Buck, let me tell you this. I had spoken to a bunch of buddies from NYPD today, some of the task forces I was on and I'd gotten to know you very well. You're a very good personal friend, full disclosure. You were CIA. I'm gonna go on a limb here. I know me and none of the guys I worked with and I know you, I know your brothers. I don't think you, your brothers, your buddies from the agency, any of us would have sat outside that school. I would have taken a suspension. I would have taken a termination. Because I'll tell you something. It would have been a hell of a lot easier to look in the mirror as a fired cop than it would have been to go home knowing I had my gun, I had my training, and I let 19 kids and two teachers be slaughtered. It is making me sick to my stomach. That's not hyperbole. That's not drama. I'm sick to my stomach.
0: John, I mean, I, I feel exactly the same way. I appreciate getting a chance to talk to you, somebody who's actually carried the badge and the gun and, uh, and been in these kinds of situations. Thanks for being with us and we'll talk soon.
7: Always, Buck, thanks. All
0: right, coming up our next guest says, the Pennsylvania primary election results prove Republicans still want America first. We've got the president of Citizens United, David Bossie with us to discuss that, coming up. Pennsylvania Senate primary is going into a recount right now as it stands. The race between Oz and McCormick is too close to call. The recount is scheduled to begin tomorrow, but we may not have final answers until June 7th. According to an article from The Hill, McCormick's campaign is suing to have counted ballots that were mailed in without a written date on the envelopes, as is typically required, but that were received on or before Election Day. Oz is arguing for the ballot to be rejected and is getting back up from the state GOP and the Republican National Committee. Joining me now to discuss the state of Pennsylvania and more is President of Citizens United, David Bossie. David, thanks for being with us.
6: Hey, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it.
0: David, what do you make of the situation in Pennsylvania right now? I, last I saw, I think it was about a thousand votes separating these two Senate contenders on the GOP side.
6: It is incredibly close. What we've seen in primary after primary, Buck, is high Republican intensity. We are seeing folks who want to reject completely and totally Joe Biden's America uh, and the disaster that is uh, the Biden administration. And we're seeing Republicans turn out in record number all over the country. And Pennsylvania is no exception.
0: In a recent op-ed you wrote for Fox News that uh, Pennsylvania proves Republicans still want America first. Trends that continued last night across the country are crystal clear. Voters know the President Trump's America first agenda is the right one for our country. They want MAGA, anti-establishment political outsiders, to represent them in elected office. I and mean, I, Look, I've, I've spoken to McCormick a number of times in interviews, and you know he, he says he's a, a MAGA guy too. So is it really just about the President's endorsement?
6: Yeah, Buck. Every one of the candidates that was running in the United States Senate race in Pennsylvania and in most of these primaries are all America First candidates to one extent or the other. Uh, there's nobody that really rejects. I mean, even Brian Kemp, who uh, didn't, who has been fighting with, uh, obviously President Trump, and President Trump did not support, is still an America First candidate in a sense. So. The the issues are Republican issues. The issues are conservative issues that we are able to run on, which are, and every state has a different level of interest in them, but it's, everybody wants lower crime rates and the violent crime scourge that's, and funding of police as opposed to defunding. Everybody's worried about the border, border security, the drugs and human trafficking that are pouring across our borders. Everybody's worried about our national security what's going on in Afghanistan and the Ukraine, all around the world, we have problems and we have feckless leadership at home. And that's what the America First agenda is. It's not about one person. All of these candidates, almost across the board, are for it in one way, shape, or form.
0: Pennsylvania Senate hopeful Mehmet Oz had some kind words for former President Trump. Watch this.
1: President Trump, after he endorsed me, continued to lead into this race in Pennsylvania. He knows all the subtleties of it. He was willing to participate with Teletown Halls, which he advised that I do. It was a brilliant idea. Uh, he participated in a, in a massive rally uh, out in Westmoreland County. And uh, God bless you, sir,
0: for putting so much effort into this race. I will make you proud. How confident are you, David? I mean, I know we don't know who's going to win, but Oz is ahead right now, and Certainly very possible that he will be the guy who ends up representing the GOP in the Senate race. A lot of people are saying, is he really a conservative? What do you say?
6: Well, I, I think he will be a, a I think will be a great senator. I think David McCormick could be a great senator. I think that the, the issue before us is these mail-in ballots that are not uh, dated. And I think that the courts have, have, have ruled in the past that undated ballots should not be counted. And as far as the question of election integrity and ballot integrity are concerned, I know that the RNC has taken the position uh, that uh, that those ballots should not be counted. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, if you follow the rules, uh, you know, your ballot gets counted. And if you don't, that's the unfortunate uh, circumstance you find yourself in. I believe there's very few of those ballots uh, as they get through this recount. We're going to find out exactly how many there are, but it may not be enough to change the outcome. Oz is ahead a by about 1,000 votes, uh, which is unbelievably close uh, in, in, with so many votes uh, cast, over a million.
0: Obviously, we had a very big week as well with the Georgia primary uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, you had Marjorie Taylor Greene winning her primary challenge, Herschel Walker winning convincingly on the Senate side, and uh, the sitting governor, Kemp, defeating a challenge by Perdue, who obviously did have Trump's support in that primary. What do you make of, of what we saw in Georgia?
6: Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, candidates matter uh, and good candidates matter. And, and you know, we, did, we had some weak candidates in Georgia, uh, even though, even with the president's support, you can't carry them over the line by yourself if you're Donald Trump. You're not there in Georgia campaigning every day. You show up for a rally and you endorse them, but the ca- uh, candidates and their ideas and their campaigns matter and I think that that's what the failure was uh predominantly because you know the, the people of Georgia agree uh with President Trump on the issues they just didn't believe uh, that Purdue was was a good vehicle uh, for them but if you look around the country Sarah Sarah Huckabee Sanders wins you know a huge landslide in for uh governor in Arkansas Tim Griffin endorsed uh, by President Trump wins uh, for the attorney general's job in, in Arkansas. We have, we had some, the president had some great victories. Obviously Georgia was a tough, uh tough one to take a couple losses in, but the president's record is stellar and his endorsement matters.
0: How do you think the GOP is looking to make a real run the table situation happen for the governor's race, those uh, the Senate seat that's up between Warnock and Herschel Walker, uh, some really key contests there. Do you think we could pull it all off?
6: Herschel Walker is incredibly strong. He is going to be, run a very good disciplined message campaign and, and has been doing so thus far. Uh, he's raising a ton of money, an, an exceptional candidate, and I think that uh, you know I think Herschel Walker definitely wins in November, and we pick up one Senate seat there uh, and get that one back into the Republican hands. But I also believe that Kemp will will defeat now uh, Stacey Abrams. I mean, you have Stacey Abrams making one gaffe after the other just a couple of days ago. She's saying that Georgia's not a good place to live. Uh, who says that about a state that they want to represent? So we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna run the tables this November in the general election. Because of the problems that Joe Biden has created. The Biden administration single-handedly uh, is driving people to turn out to vote uh, for Republican candidates because they are sick and tired of the America last mentality of the Biden administration, American weakness and feckless leadership. Uh, you know, and, and if you everything they touch from the economy to social issues to foreign policy. We're in a disaster. One, every day it gets worse and worse. And I think the American people are recognizing it. Monmouth poll just last week, but 79% of the American people, that's Republican, De- Republicans, Democrats, and Independents poll, say America's on the wrong track, 79%. Only 17% said it was on the right track. This guy, uh, Joe Biden is making Jimmy Carter look good.
0: David, thanks for being with us, appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate you. Former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman will not be taking the stand during the trial with closing arguments scheduled for tomorrow. We'll talk with Real Clear Investigations' Benjamin Weingarten about that when we return. First, I want to talk about the silencer shop. If you're like me, you believe it's your right to keep and bear arms. More than 100 million Americans identify as firearm owners. And in 2021, there are more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States. Silencer Shop is the number one source for suppressors in the U.S. They're a Texas-based company that's all about stellar customer service. Silencer Shop kiosk makes the NFA process easy for your suppressor, SBR, or any NFA item. By tapping into Silencer Shop for your ATF eForm form 4, you'll get your can in your hands faster than ever. Customers have said they've even received their suppressors in 70 to 90 days. Check out Silencer Shop's YouTube or Instagram pages or visit silencershop.com And if you'll be at the NRA annual meeting in Houston, May 27th to 29th, be sure to stop by their booth. Partner with Silencer Shop for the easiest way to get your suppressor. Former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman learns this morning that as of now, he will not be testifying during the trial. According to an article from Just the News, Durham has presented evidence that Sussman said he was coming to the FBI in September 2016 as a concerned citizen, but that he was, in fact, working at the time on behalf of two clients. So will the absence of a Sussman questioning hurt or help crooked Hillary in the long run? me now to discuss the whole trial. Deputy Editor at Real Clear Investigations, Benjamin Weingarten. Ben, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me back. So Ben, what, what, first off, I mean, what is, what is the trial so far? What are the biggest takeaways for you of this effort to get to the bottom of Sussman's role in the Russia collusion hoax?
8: Yeah, well, I think you have to look at this in context of a broader question, which is what is special counsel John Durham's ultimate desire here? Is he trying to make some kind of grand criminal conspiracy case that works from the bottom up and the outside in spanning all of Clinton world, the Clinton campaign, up to the highest ranks of the FBI and the DOJ? Or is he just trying to secure convictions of, in this case, Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, who was responsible, it appears in part, for foisting the Trump Organization Alpha Bank fraud on the American people, uh, plus Igor Danchenko, who was basically the Steele dossier's key researcher. Is he just going for these relatively smaller fish and on, in some cases, more technical grounds, or does he have a master plan? So that's a big question, broad question. With respect to Sussman itself, I think the big takeaways from this trial are, first of all, Who isn't a confidential informant? One of the things we found here is that you have journalists who are confidential informants. Rodney Jaffe, who was the other client Sussman was working for beyond the Clinton campaign when he took this Trump Alpha Bank dirt to the authorities, was also an informant. Another massive takeaway is that Robbie Mook, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, testified that Hillary Clinton basically gave her blessing, gave the thumbs up, for the campaign to go out and spread the Alpha Bank hoax, which they did to the authorities as well as the media, just as they did with the Steele dossier in this sort of circular conspiratorial sort of way where they flooded the zone in the federal government with their garbage Trump Russia collusion narrative. And they also did so with the media and used the media to reinforce the government's efforts to then go after Trump. But the big question at the end of the day is, will the government Mal actors here also pay or is this just about a couple players in Clinton world So Robbie Mook
0: said that he discussed it with Hillary I don't remember the substance of the conversation but notionally the discussion was hey we have this and we want to share it with a reporter she agreed So I mean just this is from the campaign manager of the Clinton campaign saying
8: yeah Hillary was like share the stuff <laughs> Hillary was like share the stuff and then let's also note that her former senior foreign policy advisor, but now the national security advisor to the United States, Jake Sullivan, put out a press release citing a report from Slate, which of course Fusion GPS on behalf of the Clinton campaign had fed to Slate, spewing the the Russian Alpha Bank hoax. And then Hillary Clinton herself retweeted that with with a comment on October 31st, 2016. So the ultimate October surprise garbage they fed to the authorities as well as to the likes of Slate. And then they spun it out there, making it seem as if independent actors were finding all of this Trump Russia dirt. So there's her fingerprints are all over this effort, and they perpetrated a fraud on the government. But at the same time, are we really to believe that the government, the FBI, and the DOJ were duped? And one of the things we found out in this case is that People within the FBI rank and file agents examined what was brought to them and said this is garbage. They knew it almost immediately, yet they got pressure according to a testimony from at least one of those in court who said that they got pressure from the seventh floor, that is the senior ranks of the FBI, to pursue this, to pursue it deathly seriously. And that is incredibly telling here. And the question is, is Sussman gonna make it, rather is Durham gonna make the case that the government was innocently duped and defrauded by the Clinton campaign? or were they co-conspirators? We'll have to see.
0: Here's from the Wall Street Journal. The Clinton campaign created the Trump alpha allegation, fed it to a credulous press that failed to confirm the allegations, but ran with them anyway, promoted the story as if it was legitimate news. The campaign also delivered the claims to the FBI, giving journalists another excuse to portray the accusations as serious and perhaps true. And this is, I think, a a critical component of this, Ben, that a a political campaign That not only, of course, they're going to feed their smears to the press, the press didn't really do their job. Not only that, but then on the other side, also feeds it to federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. And then the press says, oh, look, the law enforcement agencies are on this. The law enforcement agencies say, look, the press is reporting on this, and it's all treated like it's real.
8: And we've seen this template before in other aspects of the Russian collusion hoax with respect to the fraud that was perpetrated on the FISA court, violating our most basic civil liberties in the case of Carter Page and others, it would appear, because you had members of the government citing media reports. The government had been fed this him information by outside actors, which proved to be garbage, used to pursue Carter Page several times and others, and spy on the communications and hoover up the communications of probably hundreds of people ultimately. So this was just one aspect of it, but it's the perfect model. It's a template for what they did in a whole number of circumstances here.
0: We think we're going to get to any actual uh, any actual accountability here, Ben, for what went on when it comes to some of these characters? I mean, I've, I spoke to Andy McCarthy of a National Review about this recently. He said that Sussman, Sussman given the, the jury pool in D.C.
8: and given the case so far, may, may walk. Yeah, as I, I detailed in this piece at Newsweek today, Sussman's going in front of a judge who himself said he might recuse himself if asked because he was a professional acquaintance of Sussman, worked with him at the DOJ. His wife is a, was a contributor to the 2016 Clinton campaign. She actually has represented Lisa Page, who herself might be a target of Durham's investigation. Uh, and then, of course, you have the jurors. To your point, several of whom were Clinton campaign donors, uh, there are ardent leftists among them. One of whom, their daughter, actually plays on the same crew team as Sussman's. I mean, the swamp can't go any deeper here, and that, of course, calls into the question the legitimacy, the sanctity of the entire process. And you're going Have this with any person who is indicted in Washington, D.C., because that's how deep the swamp's tentacles go. So, will there be justice? Look, on the merits, I think this case is pretty much a slam dunk. We'll see in the case of Danchenko, it would also appear to be the same. But are we going to see, let's say they are convicted, are there other indictments under seal that we don't know about today? Or is this it? Is this kind of the climax of it? And then Durham is supposed to write a report. What is that report going to detail? He's detailed in these indictments the makings of a massive criminal conspiracy. We'll have to see, you know, we'll have to see if the question is answered of where's the beef?
0: And in terms of the Durham report, when do you think that's going to does anyone have any real sense of when that will probably
8: come out at this point? <laughs> well, Jonathan Turley has talked about the fact that this is a glacially slow exercise, And some have questioned, And what about the statute of limitations with certain individuals? Because we're talking six years after the fact, some of these revelations coming to the fore. So we don't have a date on it. We do know that Durham's funding was extended by Merrick Garland's Justice Department. So at least for a number of more months. But at what point does the funding dry up? And then will there be be a report done at that time? We'll see if, again, there has to be an extension or if this is really it. We know the Denchenko case is coming later this year. So presumably subsequent to that, we'll have some resolution on what the report is and when it's going to be released.
0: Ben, thanks for being with us. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Buck. Bill Gates doesn't see the point in checking if people are vaccinated. Oh, wow, what a shock. That story and more coming up in Quick Hits. Right now, let's talk about protecting your home. If you own a home or property, here's two reasons you never want to become the victim of home title fraud. Number one, when a cybercriminal sneakily worms his way under your home's title, he'll take a loan after loan using your home's equity. Then he'll vanish, leading to prove you didn't commit fraud. Up to you, right? Number two, you could be a victim of home title fraud and not know it for months. No agency notifies you or asks you if you sold your home or added someone to the title. You'll find out when the collection calls start for loans you never took out. Nobody knows more about how to help stop this crime than Home Title Lock, America's trusted leader. Here's what I urge you to do: go to hometitlelock.com, read the testimonials from retired FBI agents and others, then register your home address to see if you're already a victim. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you for thirty free days of protection. hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. Quick hits up next
3: Giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning.
0: A CBS reporter who witnessed Beto O'Rourke's theatrical interruption of Governor Abbott's as it was very clearly staged, and former President Barack Obama used the Texas uh, tragedy as a time to remind everybody with his Twitter account about the death of George Floyd. Yeah. It is time for a quick hits. But actually, first, we'll start with Bill Gates, who was, uh, for some reason, everyone listens to this guy. He's super rich, so we have to listen to him about global health policy for some reason. He was on a panel at the annual Davos meeting, of course, and this is what he had to say about checking to see if people are vaccinated and get a breakthrough infection. Watch.
3: The idea of checking if people are vaccinated, Mm. you know, if you have breakthrough infections, Mm. what's the point?
0: The point is to know whether these vaccines work or not bill isn't that amazing though he really like what do you mean you got the shot whether you get sick or not whether you get if you get sick and you already had the shot or not. who cares yeah this is what we are up again people that just want to pretend like we're all so dumb we don't see what's going on then there was this obama tweet which was uh, honestly just jaw-dropping as we grieve the children of uvalde today we should take time to recognize that Two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. Uh, George Floyd was a longtime criminal who had a violent incident with law enforcement that resulted in in his death. He's also a guy who had pointed a gun at the belly of a pregnant woman during a home invasion. And when there are 19 children still being buried during a mass shooting, Obama wants to remind us of George Floyd two years ago, okay? And then there was the uh, appalling spectacle yesterday of Beto O'Rourke uh, interrupting Governor Abbott in, the, I mean, in a way that was just so, uh, so lacking in dignity and respect uh, for the entire situation uh, but Beto O'Rourke is a pathetic, narcissistic weirdo. Uh, CBS reporters in the room, here's what uh, that reporter had to say about it.
5: There were two people across the aisle from me, and a moment before the press conference started, they got up from their seats when Beto walked in. So they were seat holders
0: for him. This seems something very clearly staged by Beto O'Rourke and his campaign. Yeah, of course it was staged by Beto O'Rourke and his campaign. It's the only way this guy can get any attention is to... Be an appalling spectacle, of course. Who would listen to this guy about absolutely anything? That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The no spin news of Bill O'Reilly is next. Fieldside.
3: to start your morning.
0: Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel Towers Foundation. The Foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes, Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's
1: T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael